This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. For more information, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. Well, we talk frequently on this show about sustainability and startups and innovation, but we mostly focus on that here in the United States. But what about those same types of issues and philosophies in other parts of the world? Are they catching on as quickly? Uh, Dina Sharif is the CEO and founding partner of Ahead of the Curve, uh, Curve, excuse me, company that is based in Cairo, Egypt. She's also an Eisenhower Fellowship Women's Leadership Program fellow, and she is also director of, Entre- of the Entrepreneurship Center at American University in Cairo. And she joins us here in the studio. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too, Dan. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Uh, as I said, I mean, we think so much doing this show in terms of the United States, but a lot of these same types of topics and issues uh, obviously are prevalent in, in places like Egypt and, and the Arab world, correct? Correct. What, sure. what, what, is, what is the level of entrepreneurship and, and sustainability and, you know, when you talk about those topics kind of in general in Egypt right now? Yeah, so I'll talk a little bit about Egypt, but I'll put it more broadly in the context of the Arab region. Yep. Um, 65% of our population is under the age of 34. And in Egypt in specific, we have the highest uh, youth unemployment rate in the Middle East. I would say one of the highest in the world right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, job creation is the number one top challenge that we face across the entire Arab region. Our private sectors. Uh, in comparison to other emerging markets, are still relatively small. Mm-hmm. Um, so traditionally, in, in a country like Egypt, our youth depended on the government to employ them after they finished college. And that's really no longer a possibility, especially with the huge youth bulge that we have right now. And so we're looking to the private sector to create those jobs. And as you might know, the majority of jobs are not created in already existing large businesses and multinationals. Yeah. You really need to see jobs created uh, through uh, an explosion of small and medium enterprises. Um, so for, for the past decade, I think there's been a lot of focus on how do we uh, create an entrepreneurial culture uh, within Egypt and in the Arab region to solve the, the job creation problem. Um, how do we create the policies and an enabling environment required to see uh, fast uh, business growth? Is the idea of entrepreneurship one that is starting to catch on right now? Or is there, I guess there's not as much resistance to it now because, as you laid out, you have to have these if the economy is going to build itself over the next couple of decades. Correct. And I think, you know, one of the biggest challenges for our youth is they really want to transition to adulthood. And if you can't find a job in a company and you can't find a job in the government and, you know, civil society is not going to create the kind of jobs required, you're going to go out there and create your own job. And so I think definitely Egypt has a booming startup culture. Um, There's a booming startup culture in Jordan, one one that is growing in Dubai. Saudi Arabia is starting to see a lot of focus on entrepreneurship and new business growth. And obviously, we're also looking to the U.S. for a lot of um, knowledge and know-how, experience, expertise to be able to do it, jumpstart and do it quickly. Uh, The U.S. has one of the most, I think, um, advanced and sophisticated Uh, ecosystems to support new business growth in the world. You have the Small Business Administration that really pushes forward small business growth from the government level. Um, And we need to look at those models to 
help ourselves move a lot faster. Are, are those countries within the Arab region able to, I mean, you think about uh, developing jobs, obviously in Egypt, but are they able to work with the other countries in the Arab region to to work on a plan maybe as, as, as a joint region. entity yeah. to say, listen, if we're able to work on this together, this is going to improve the lot for everybody? Yeah, that's a great question. And uh, it's definitely one of the challenges that I talk about at Ahead of the Curve. And we, we often... So one of the biggest problems, I think, for entrepreneurs in the Middle East is it's very hard to go to cross markets in the region. Okay. And it's very hard to move from one market to the other, not just in the region, but elsewhere. So very few entrepreneurs are able able to reach that kind of scale. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes when they do, they leave, they'll leave Egypt and come here to the U.S., for example. Okay. We have quite a few Egyptians who come and started businesses out of Silicon Valley, those who work in tech. Now, in order to see what you're saying, which is to see entrepreneurs really cross markets for in order to scale scale their businesses, we need to really open our markets. And yeah. uh, we're still, by and large, quite protectionist economies, which is now hindering our own ability to create sustainable economic growth. Mm -hmm. So we're seeing some changes. There's a, a lot happening in the ecosystem with a lot of us. So the Center for Entrepreneurship at the American University in Cairo, my company, ahead of the curve, a lot of people across the region who are working on entrepreneurship are really trying to find ways to build a collaborative ecosystem to see faster growth. And ahead of the curve does basically what? So Ahead of the Curve was founded not too soon after the revolution in Egypt, and um, that was really me and my co-founder um, really wanted to work on developing economies through the private sector because I come from a background of, uh, I had a focus on civil society, uh, philanthropy, mm -hmm. um, looking towards civil society to see development happen, and uh Prior to that, I had I did a lot of work at the African Development Bank and uh, big donors, and I just realized that development from that angle was too slow. And the private sector has a lot of potential to solve social problems at a much faster pace and, and using a lot more innovation. Yeah. So Ahead of the Curve was built to really work with the private sector to help them create inclusive business models that were sustainable, that really looked at creating profitable models to um, build our societies in a much more um, shared value-driven way. Mm -hmm. So we do a lot of work with large companies and multinationals, but then we realized that that's, you know, top down. What what are we going to do bottom up? We created yeah. a subsidiary called Entrepreneurship with Impact Ventures, which is the first impact investment fund in the Middle East to work on early stage startups with social impact. And it's been a really cool journey so far. Um, we've invested in a number of businesses, uh, healthcare, retail, um, transportation issues. Yeah. And uh, uh, I, I see a lot of potential okay. um, in that specific startup space. So is it at a stage, I guess, where it, it's getting off the ground right now and, and the impact maybe is starting to get there and maybe hasn't been fully felt at this point? So I would say that we have a couple of really good examples of businesses that have moved into their, their growth phase. Okay. Um, I think when it comes to impact entrepreneurship, uh, investors are starting to catch on that this is a space that can be very lucrative while at the same time solve major problems. I mean, here's the story in the Middle East. We don't have the luxury of time. So we don't yeah. have, we just really yeah. don't. We have too many problems. And if we don't create jobs fast, you know what happens. They, youth become disillusioned, they become recruited. And, you know, 
by people like uh, I, like ISIS and the yep. Muslim Brotherhood, and we really don't want to see that. We want to give young people the ability to transition into adulthood and have a, a, a good livelihood. So I think right now we're really encouraging uh, young people to start businesses that will be profitable right. with potential for fast growth, but that will also simultaneously solve a major problem in society. So go back to the roots of capitalism, which is really creating value yeah. for the business and for society. And we somehow drifted from that, I think, during the 20th century in our industrial re revolutions. And, you know, we became so focused on tech and creating the next new app. We forgot that, you know, businesses are meant to really solve problems. Yeah. So I think that's growing in the Middle East, which is really interesting uh, in comparison to the rest of the world. We're seeing a lot of these businesses emerge. This is Nalja Wharton on Sirius XM 111, business radio powered by the Wharton School. We're joined here in the studio by Dina Sharif, who is the CEO and founding partner of Ahead of the Curve. Uh, I, I guess then you mentioned healthcare, and, and healthcare is something in terms of innovation that is obviously talked about a lot here in the United States and all the changes that we have already seen and what we're going to see going forward. How much of that do you see, the, the ideas within healthcare, to change the way it's run, to, to change it as its business model and make it more successful and, and still reaching out to the people that live in that region and, and giving them the best services that possible? Yeah. I mean, healthcare, especially for me, is something that's very close to my heart. And uh, I've seen a lot of people suffer as a result of dysfunctional healthcare systems, yeah. specifically in Egypt and in many other Arab countries. And uh, we have a heavy focus on um, healthcare and finding businesses that are innovating in healthcare. But specifically, we created a program called The Impact. And that's a five day boot camp to train young people on how to design build and create a sustainable, scalable social business where we always use healthcare as a challenge. Right. And and in the hope that we'll find businesses that will uh, that we can invest in. But we do have a couple of rising stars in the Middle East in healthcare. One of them is a company called Smart Medical Services. Mm -hmm. And you know, big a big problem for, for Egypt, um, we're a population of close to ninety five million yep. and most of them are falling you know through the cracks and out of the system it's very hard for them to get access to quality health care mm -hmm. um, and our healthcare system is still mainly built on a cash pay cash get a service type sure. system right and a lot of them don't have health insurance so this entrepreneur and we invested in this business created an amazing new business model to provide affordable health care insurance to those who are middle class and below, mm -hmm. um, targeting specifically small and medium enterprises who can't afford, you know, the the big health insurance providers. Yeah. And then he created a, a, a cash card, which means basically <clears throat> anybody could buy this cash card, get into a system, get access to these services at a discounted rate. Yeah. And he's at a point where he's grown so fast and is doing so well that a lot of other global players are looking to buy him out right now. So that's a great success story. And I think that's, some, that's an example of real innovation within our healthcare system. You've written about philanthropy, as you, as you mentioned. I have. Uh, what is the state of philanthropy over there, because I, I, again, this is something relatively new for for what we discuss on this show most weeks. Yeah, so the the Middle East has one of the I think richest cultures of giving in the world, mm -hmm. um, but it's largely charitable in nature. And I would say over the past fifteen years, we've seen a shift 
from charity to philanthropy that is really strategic and very institutionalized and focused on getting to root causes. And we've seen a rise in foundations, both in the Gulf countries and outside of the Gulf, who are really tackling serious issues in education, Mm -hmm. women's issues, healthcare issues. So I think, uh, you know, just like in entrepreneurship, we're seeing a real shift to creating fast growth businesses, um, specifically in tech and and impact uh, entrepreneurship. We're also seeing a shift within the philanthropic sector where people are thinking, you know, with this wealth, we need to quickly do something strategic Mm -hmm. with it. Um, I think it's been a bit slow, uh, but it's it's coming together, and it's a very important part of our society. We do give back a lot. How frequently uh, are there, or I should say, how how much has built up in terms of companies like yours that are that are that are looking to help and looking to advance the cause of so many you know startup ideas and entrepreneurs at this point? I would think that part of what has to happen is you have to have companies like Head of the Curve to be able to kind of bridge the gap that's there. Yeah, definitely. Or, you know, we'll just explode ahead of the curve. And, or that too, <laughs> yes. You could do that and just too. just scale across. No, I mean, I think we do need to see a lot more people working in this space. I think we need to see a lot more focus of, you know, it's okay to make money and do good at the same sure, time. Yeah, and yeah. You know, the Middle East has a culture and Egypt has a culture of if you do good, you have to do it quietly. And, you know, you, you can't... Uh, um, be very open about your giving or, you know, you can have a successful business, but your philanthropy is something else. So I think, but I think all of this is being disrupted also because there's an urgency. We just don't have time. And this is, you know, 2016, this is the age of technology. And, uh, you know, I don't know if you're familiar with the concept of the law of accelerated returns. Mm. I mean, change is not going to be incremental anymore it's just sure. not, it just yeah. can't be because technology is going to accelerate everything so i think the middle east is getting getting into that game of really capitalizing mm-hmm. on the great wealth there is a lot of wealth in that region oh, sure, and we yeah. just need to capitalize on that and channel it proper properly and also find you know really support the potential that our youth have to create solutions to our problems through viable, profitable business models that can be scaled. But as you said uh, earlier, uh, the, the the challenge that you run into is the fact that realistically, one country will, won't do business with another at times, and, and you know it, th- that relationship uh. that that you know we see here in, in the United States with Canada or with Mexico or you know whatever it is. It's not there as frequent as, no. as, as as in other parts of the world. Correct. And this is where policy comes in. So this is where we we all need to, which is part of the reason why I also base myself out of a university and have a heavy focus on doing research, policy-related sure. research, because we do need our policymakers across the region to be creating environments and ecosystems that are collaborative, that will allow real job creation to happen and to see an exponential uh, growth in startups if we really want to um, see our economies grow in the way that we need them to grow. That requires policy and it requires the governments being you know, willing to create that that environment. I would imagine that in some respects, some of the companies almost have to be putting some pressure on the government to make change because of, of what you just alluded to. You you don't have the time to, you know, to wait for government to make the changes. No, we don't. I, I'm guessing it's, it's probably somewhat similar here in the United States that if you have to have something that goes through the government, expect it to take a while. 
Yeah, that's correct. It's it's a slow process, but I think what's interesting in the Middle East right now, and and you know, this is also common in the U.S. We have a lot of really successful entrepreneurs who have created very successful businesses, and you know, we're pushing them to step up and really support these young entrepreneurs mm-hmm. become more successful. And for the businesses that have succeeded in working across markets, we really push them to pass on those lessons and that experience to new entrepreneurs and to help them access other markets. So we at Ahead of the Curve, we, we have a regional mandate. And one of the one of our visions for the future is to be able to create multi-node accelerators. Mm-hmm. So to have an accelerator in Cairo running at the same time as an accelerator in Malaysia, running at the same time as an accelerator in the U.S., and in Pakistan and having all these cycles of entrepreneurs being accelerated at the same time mm-hmm. and connected to each other in the hope that they will help each other move into the markets that they already exist in. That, of course, requires resources and fundraising. And, you sure. know, we hope yeah. that we'll be able to to make that vision a reality because I think that's another solution to helping entrepreneurs move into different markets and to scale. Beyond healthcare, what are some of the other sectors that are are, are, are really ones that should be focused on? Energy, yeah. education, yeah. water, environment. Yeah. So it's pretty infrastructure. Sim- infrastructure for sure. Um, transportation. We have huge issues related to traffic and transportation, specifically in Egypt. So I think, it, you, I mean, our problems are endless. It's pretty much, you know, you could do anything and it will have real societal impact if you're focused enough. Is it to the point where where you could even see? If if one of those areas you just spoke at f- were focused on, and it would eventually have almost a little bit of a, a of a bounce effect, where you focus on one, it'll affect the other, and then affect the other, and you kind of it's almost a multiplier effect. Well, that's how innovation works, right? I yeah. think you know you create one solution. If you scale that, that will have an impact on other things, and you'll see grow, you'll see change in that area. Yeah. I think everything is integrated, and that's where I think technology really comes in right now. Yeah. Every, I don't think anything happens in isolation or in silos anymore. And, and when you disrupt one sector, that will inevit- inevitably have an impact on another. Yeah. And specifically when you're working on social change, you know, healthcare, education, these are things that are very much relevant and related to each other. Yeah. So. And I would think that there probably would be a market even for people here in the United States to be able to, you know, entrepreneurs that have ideas that are pushing them forward here to be able to scale them and take them over to, to Egypt Absolutely. and other places. Absolutely. And, you know, I was here with a private sector mission in D.C. about three weeks ago lobbying on behalf of the business sector Um in Egypt. And, you know, that's exactly what we were saying. You know, Egypt is a great place to do business. It's a huge, massive market. And I think there's a lot of potential for American businesses to come there. There are a lot of fears that I think are unfounded. But, you know, I think for the American companies that exist there, the American multinationals, they're still there and they're still thriving and they're making quite a bit of money there because it's an untapped market. So I think there's huge potential for American businesses to come to the Middle East. And I think there's huge potential also for the opposite. As you look back on it, uh, how important was the uprising? Just in, in in terms of just kind of starting anew and, and and starting Egypt on a different path. I think the uprising was a, it's a sensitive topic for me because I was there, right? So yeah. um, the the uprising, I think, was an awakening because I think, you know, for the longest time, people felt they had no power sure. to create change. Yeah. And we had, prior to the Egyptian revolution, we had seen a trend of young people 
a rise in volunteerism. There was a, a rise in social activism. Yeah. And that will inevitably always become political at some point. So I think what the the uprising did in 2011 was it really showed people that if they joined forces, they could create change. And right. I think, you know, right now, their transitions are cyclic. So you go, you know, there are ups and downs. And mm -hmm. I think we're in a difficult point in our transition right now. But I think our hope is amongst Egyptian youth, and they're a huge asset. Youth mm -hmm. are a massive asset. I do not see them as a problem. I see them as a huge asset that can really create positive change. And I think that's what we're trying to do through Ahead of the Curve, through the Center for Entrepreneurship, through all of the players that have emerged in our ecosystem, is to really harness that potential and really help these young people take ownership of their societies. This is Knowledge at Wharton here on Sirius XM one. Business Radio powered by the Wharton School. We're talking with Dina Sharif, who is the CEO and founding partner of Ahead of the Curb, which is based in Cairo. Uh, I'd be very interested to know what the term millennial means in Egypt. I, I mean, it, it's it's taken over everything here in the United States. Is it the same way over there? What is it taken over in the United States? <laughs> well, I mean, you can't go more than a couple of hours I think, in anybody's life without hearing the term millennial. millennial. I think it's the same, specifically. I mean, like I told you, in Egypt, 65% of our population is under the age of 34. Yeah. Um, and we have you know, a very young population right now. Yeah. I'm a professor. I teach, so I deal with millennials every day. I think... Uh, I don't think it, they have had the kind of impact that we're seeing here in the U.S., but I think their time is coming. Right. And, they, and we will see these millennials doing things very differently. And we see them through the social entrepreneurs that we support. So a lot of the, the impact entrepreneurs in our network and the head of the curve network that we deal with, they say they're very interesting because, you know, they say, you know what? We don't care what the government does or doesn't do. Right. We're going to take matters into our own hands and we're going to create parallel systems. And that will inevitably have a whole other impact. You don't see generations of my generation or those after me talking like that. Yeah. And these people use technology and you don't need to get government permission to use technology sure. per se. Yeah. And that goes viral. But you, you, I don't think there's much doubt that from where you stand right now and the volume of young people that you work with, you'd probably like to see that increased a thousandfold. Yes, if, absolutely. If you could, in a variety of different absolutely, venues. Absolutely, absolutely. But I believe in tipping points, and I think we're getting there. And I think as more and more young people see that they do have the power to create change and they do succeed, so this is why we're all working so hard to really support the ones that are succeeding, yeah. to create those role models, and to have, hopefully turn that ripple that we're seeing into a massive wave. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, the, gover the Egyptian government will eventually realize that these people can really create positive change and really learn to support them. But I would think also part of it is going back to something you said at the beginning is if some of these young people don't have the expectation that working for the government is a possibility, then it's, like, then it's like, okay, well, I got to think about something else to do. And that's exactly where everyone is right now. And well, what we're struggling to do, and not even struggling, it's like what we're all really rushing to do is to help them channel that energy into something that will lead to a positive growth trajectory for Egypt. Yeah. And, you know, that needs a lot of resources, a lot of commitment. And we're working really hard and really trying to do that because I think Egypt has huge potential. It's a great country. It's a beautiful country. It has heritage, um, some of the best diving in the world, yeah. you know, beautiful people. And I think 
there's a lot of potential to really build up our economy in a sustainable way and to actually be a leader in that space. I think we could really be a leader in impact entrepreneurship yeah. um, and for the world and, you know, across emerging economies. I think what's happening in Egypt is fascinating. So your hope is if we were to have this conversation in 10 years from now, that we'd be having a much different discussion about the the types of entrepreneurship, the levels that are involved, the numbers of people that are involved, the numbers of people involved in different types of businesses across Egypt. You know, 10 years from now, Dan, I promise you, there will be so many stories of success and yeah. innovation and awesomeness coming out of Egypt. Yeah. I won't know what to choose from. <laughs> Hopefully that is the case. Dina, nice meeting you. Thanks nice for meeting you. Thanks for having me. For more business news and analysis from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.